0: We're glad you're here. Well, I'm continuing today talking about the kingdom of God. This is the third message in this series. I began the year with this. And I hope that you are by now have memorized my text. If you haven't, um, right now is a good time. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Everybody read it with me if you will. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's do that again, shall we? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I want to deal this morning, and I I won't. I won't be very lengthy, but I do want to deal with uh, three things. First of all, the priority of the kingdom, and then I want to deal with the potential of the kingdom. And third and finally, I want to deal with the power of the kingdom. I've already talked to you quite a bit about my first point, the priority of the kingdom message. And I've shared with you that our Lord Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. If you read the four gospels, you'll find that that's what he, that that was his message. That's what he, when John the Baptist introduced him to the world, he started by preaching the kingdom of God in fact you will find either the word kingdom or king or something related uh, something that has that root word in it you'll find it 280 times in 260 chapters of the new testament that's more than one per chapter so you get the idea that the kingdom of god is prominent in the in the scriptures right um i just want to read one passage to you today that I think is very important along this line, talking to you about the priority of this kingdom message, and it's from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Listen to this. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them during 40 days. Now look at this last line. And speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Wow. What did Jesus spend those last 40 days on this earth talking about to his followers? The kingdom of God. Folks, it has such a prominent place in the Scriptures. John the Baptist introduced Jesus. He said, there's coming one after me that's mightier than I, the shoes of whose latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. I'm baptizing you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy, Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus stepped forward preaching the kingdom of God. He taught his disciples and preached to them for three and a half years. And then he went to the cross and died for our sins, was buried. And three days later, he arose from the dead. He could have ascended right back to heaven then and his work be over. However, Jesus chose to spend 40 more days here giving infallible proofs, so many proofs that, you know, you just have to. Be purposely blind and deny the fact of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You you just have to want to not believe it because He left us so many proofs of the resurrection, and and, and we could spend we could spend a whole hour just lecturing on the proofs of the resurrection, and they're they're many and and they're indisputable. But the thing about these 40 days that he spent not just to make sure everybody saw and realized that he had been raised from the dead but to teach them again specifically to hone in to 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 direct you know the last words of people are so important I have been on many occasions with people as they slip from this world into the next world and um I've, I've observed families, and, and especially those those last words that people speak, they're, they're so conscientious to, to hear them, to get to them, to listen to them. They'll, they'll get close to hear what, what they're saying. Those words are so important. These words of Jesus during these last 40 days before he ascended back to glory are so important. And he was preaching about the kingdom of God. It's so important. Now, here's why. It brings me to the potential of this kingdom message. The kingdom message, if it's, let me back up, forget that word if, uh, if doesn't belong here. When the church, the body of Christ fully grasps that kingdom message and begins to, begins to walk in it and live it out, it has the potential of changing the world. Can I say that again? The kingdom message, when understood, preached, taught, and acted out, has the potential of changing the world. First of all, let's look at the personal transformation. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, He, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and has converted, has conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Listen, folks, you don't strive to become a part of the kingdom of God. You don't work to become a part of the kingdom of God. You are born into the kingdom of God. and that's the way it is with royalty. You, you are born into. A royal family. Well, Paul said in this letter to the Colossians here, he said, God, when He saved us, when we were born again, He took us out of the kingdom of darkness. You were born naturally into the kingdom of darkness. That's why I prayed and said over these babies today that we're believing God that they will come to know Jesus early in life because we want them to be transported out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's dear son. When that happens, when you're born again, all of a sudden because of the blood of Jesus, royal blood now flows through your veins. I, I, we, we need to realize who we are this morning in christ jesus you 're not an accident that happened you 're not a you 're not a a, a, a purpose, person without purpose you 're not a you're not any of those things that the enemy tries to make you believe that would, would put you down or, or, or make you feel less. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, or the, the, the original nationality in which you were born or how much education you do have or don't have or any of that stuff. When you were born again, you became a part of the royal family. The blood of Jesus Christ flows in you. You are a son of God. You're a brother of the Lord Jesus. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're royalty. <laughs> glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, glory. We just need to start acting like it. Amen. I, um, I, I, I once uh, read a about a, a guy, and of course uh, you'll see when I give you the details here uh, that it was a long time ago. But a guy was trying to describe one of the greatest thrills he had when he was a child. And uh, well, let me just read it. Here's what he said. He said one of my greatest childhood thrills was holding the reins of a team of prancing, dancing horses as they pulled a wagon. I can tell you, driving in an automobile cannot compare to the thrill of feeling the flesh and blood of a spirited team of steeds ready to obey every wish as you pulled on those reins. Wow. Uh, (laughs) He said said that that was one of the greatest thrills of my life. Now, I've never driven a team of spirited horses, but I have ridden a few horses. Not a lot, but a few. When I was a little boy, I was visiting my aunt and um, she had a neighbor. She lived out in the country and she had a neighbor who had horses. And he was out walking one of the horses. I think he was just kind of cooling him off. He'd been riding him and and, uh, he he let me ride him. And uh, of course he was holding on to him when I got onto the horse and and he told me because this was a high spirited horse he told me he said now son whatever you do do not cluck to this animal do not go do not do not do that this horse is high spirited and this horse will immediately bolt and so whatever you do don't do that he shouldn't have told me not to do that, because I suddenly had an irresistible urge to find out what he was talking about. Thank God I did live to tell about it, but he never let me ride a horse of his again, and uh, he was very very upset but i but I do know the feel of that that animal that's high spirited and just ready to go. Can can I tell you this morning that the same man who said that, he said the greatest thrill in life is the liberation and dominion in this world is sensing the Vibrant life of Jesus Christ flowing in your spirit, your mind, and your body making you free from ever tormenting habit and phobia and fear. Listen to me this morning, church. If you've been born again, God has given you the reins. <laughs> To the to to the power in this kingdom, and he said, "Let's go! You ought to ride victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil from here all the way to heaven. Glory to God! We're 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 on a journey that ought to be exciting and thrilling. Amen. <laughs> if you see somebody that's all down in the mouth and always talking negative and always poor me, bless it, you know just." They don't know who they are in Christ if they claim to be a Christian. Either they're not saved or they just don't know what happened to them when they got saved. Because this this is exciting. When when you realize that you've been transported out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you're now a child of God. Royalty. (laughs) Praise God. Well... That's the way it started out, and that's the way God intended for it to be. However, dominion was lost for a while, but it was regained in Christ. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Listen carefully. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The Amplified Version says we shall reign as kings in life. Hallelujah. That's what what the Lord purchased back for us. That's, That's what we have and who we are in Christ if we've been born again. We're supposed to be reigning in this life. Most people, when you start, up, start talking to them about reigning in the kingdom, they, they're thinking immediately, they put it so future tense, it's way out there into the millennial kingdom. Well, I'm excited about the millennial kingdom too. That's when we're going to reign on the earth with Jesus for a thousand years. That's going to be a wonderful time. But listen, folks, he didn't leave us without something to do with the rotten here and now. Notice he said, we shall reign in life now. Now as kings with the lord jesus now now not just future tense we're going to do that all right it in fact it's wonderful we get with that there's going to be a rapture and and uh, i'm sorry if you don't believe in the rapture um it's i'm not going to argue with you about it everybody's entitled to their opinion and you can believe whatever you want to if you want to stay here for the tribulation more power to you but uh, but um, but there's some of us that you know I'm supreme so trib. I don't even eat post toasties. I, I, believe, I believe Jesus is coming, and I believe he's coming soon. And we're going to go be with him for seven years while the wrath of God is poured out on this earth. And then we're going to come back with Jesus, and he's going he's to set his foot down in Jerusalem. They can argue about Jerusalem all they want to, it is the capital. And it's not just going to be the capital of Israel. It's going to be the capital of the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is going to take over. Boy, glory to God, that's going to be good, isn't it? And, he, and he's going to sit on the, king, uh, on the throne of David and rule this earth. And we're going to rule and reign with him. That's wonderful. But listen, we're in school now preparing to reign with Jesus on this earth for a thousand years this this is our this this is preparatory we're getting ready we're learning we're your position in the kingdom is going to be determined on how you exercise kingdom authority now in this life. I've already asked God to let me be governor of Georgia when we get to the kingdom. Now, I hope I don't wind up in six silos over Hepzibah. you know. But we're preparing now. for, for So th- that's why this is so important. Now, I, I know we lost a lot through the fall. In fact, First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 16 says, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And that's where the first family failed. God gave them dominion. They set up. They were ruling this world. God gave them that when he created them. You can go back and read it in Genesis. Read the first couple chapters and you'll see that God gave them dominion over everything and told them, said, here, rule it. But then Satan came along and, and God had given them dominion over everything, but God put one thing out of bounds for them. He said, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you, you don't eat of that tree. That, that's mine and that's off limits for you. You see, God gives us the power to choose. Nobody serves God because they have to. Everybody serves God because they choose to. And if there hadn't been something else for Adam and Eve to choose, then they would have been like robots or automatons or, you know, they would have been without a choice. So God gave them a choice by by putting that one tree off limits. But Eve got to looking at that tree and she saw that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good for food and so she lusted after that fruit you can read that in genesis 3 6 so so it affected her body secondly she was tempted in the soulish realm the fruit was pleasant to the eyes and the bible said that eve desired to eat of that forbidden fruit that desire was constituted, if if followed through, would constitute a rebellion against God. By not controlling her eyes, by not controlling her soulless desires. By the way, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. By not controlling that, then she's rebelling against God. So Eve permitted her eyes to lust after the forbidden fruit and third and finally her spirit the serpent came along and told Eve that the fruit would make her wise like God and this appealed to pride to be like God my goodness they were already created in the image of God Satan was a liar he always is he's the father of lies but she bought it that pride to want to be like God. So, so the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's the th- three things that we have to overcome. That's why we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm going to tell you in a minute how God gives us the power to, to be successful in this area. You know, the Bible said that Job was a perfect man. You want to know how he lived perfect? Perfect. Read Job. You'll find out that Job made a covenant with his eyes. He said, I'm just not going to look on that that I'm not supposed to. The enemy appeals to us through the lust of the eye or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. Those are the three areas. And that's where dominion was lost through the fall. But here, this morning, I got some good news for you. Everything that was lost has been regained through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? He's called the second Adam, and he didn't fail. Of course, Adam went along with Eve. In fact, he did it by choice. She was deceived. He, he, he walked right into it, willing to rebel against God with her. But in Christ, let, let me read this passage to you from Romans chapter five verse 17. I read it just a minute ago, but I want to repeat it. I want you to get this: For if by one man's offense, that was Adam, death reigned through the one, much more. Say much more. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, the one Jesus Christ. Or as the Amplified says, shall reign as kings in life. Hear me this morning, church. God intends for you and me to live in victory over those three areas, body, soul, and spirit. He intends for us to be victorious. And we can, if we'll only seek first, The kingdom of God and his righteousness that's why it's so important first thing you ought to pray for every day when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer the first thing he told us to ask for was for his kingdom to come and his will to be done remember that start off by praising the Lord our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name but before you even ask for food for daily bread you ask your kingdom come your will be done Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll take care of all His other things. You don't have to worry about those. You do not have to worry about those. Anybody worry in here? Do we have any people in here that you just naturally worry? You just can't help it. You just worry. <laughs> just worry. <laughs> seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and turn all this other stuff loose. God's going to take care of it. Amen? Now, let's look at the collective potential. That was the personal potential. The the personal potential of grasping the message of the kingdom of God is that you can live victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Body, soul, and spirit, you can be victorious. But look at what we can do collectively. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, And he, speaking of God now, Put all things under his feet and gave him, talking about Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. Did did you hear that? Did you grasp that? God the Father has declared that there's a name that's above all names. His name is Jesus. He earned that by giving his life for us. And there, that, that name's above every name. And so God said, I'm turning everything, the whole kingdom, over to Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm sharing that with my body, the church. Where's Satan supposed to be? Under our feet. Praise God. Under our feet. Look under your feet. That's where the devil belongs. Right. Under your feet, under your feet. Jesus has already defeated him. All he can do, Bible said he goes about as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. It doesn't say he's a roaring lion, as a royal, roaring lion. Uh, he's a toothless roaring lion. That's all he can do is roar. That's all he's got. Now, his roar will scare the daylights out of you if you don't know who you are in Jesus. Amen. You've got to get the boldness of David when he walked out there at Goliath. Everybody else was scared to death. Whole armies were pinned down because of Goliath. David said, I'm not afraid of that guy. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. I've got the covenant of God. My Lord, me, God, and a slingshot can handle any giant. Amen. And and, and when you realize who you are, you and Jesus can handle any devil that comes your way. Any demon, any demonic power, any force of Satan, the very devil himself does not have the power that resides in you through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Glory to God. Which brings me to my third and final point. I want to talk about the power of the kingdom the power of the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. And during those 40 days when Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom and prior to his crucifixion, death and resurrection, the, the last things that Jesus was talking to them about, he said to his disciples one day, he said, I'm, I'm going to leave you. I'm going away. And the disciples they were sorrowful, the Bible said. In other words, uh, it, it was just like a, a spirit of grief just suddenly hit them to think that Jesus was going to leave them. They, they began to sorrow, maybe even to groan out loud. Oh, no, we can't lose you, Jesus. Jesus said, wait a minute, you don't understand. You don't understand. Let me help you. It is expedient for you. It's necessary. It's important. It's vital for you that I go away. Because if I go not away, the comforter will not come. And then he began to talk to them about the comfort. That's one of the offices of the Holy Spirit to comfort you. And then Jesus went on and said, let me tell you something else about the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll tell you what you need to say when you need to say it. He'll be your teacher, he'll be your comforter, he'll be your guide, he'll give you strength, he'll give you power. in fact, Jesus said, "Here's what I've taught you for three and a half years I'm spending forty more days just pouring into you, but even with all of that, and I know you've got the message down. I know you can preach it. I've sent you out before. I know you can, I know you can even work miracles. I've sent you out before, but he said, it's necessary. don't you whatever you do, do not." Start this ministry until you go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He said, I want you to be endued with power from on high. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled, empowered, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And you you need that. Power is important. You can do things with power that you can't do with anything else. In fact, 1, 8, 1, 8, uh, Acts 1 8, when he said, And you shall be endued with power from on high, the Greek word is dunamis, from which we get the words domain and dominion and dynamite. <laughs> Dynomite. I mean, there's power. And, and, and we walk around so anemic and so downtrodden and act like the <laughs> the devil's winning, oh no he 's not that 's all noise that you hear he 's not winning he 's not winning I, I was thinking about power this week and i i don 't know why but i had a i had a flashback to my to my childhood uh, and i I remembered an incident that that um, kind of got me tickled but i i 'll share it with you my my dad uh owned a heating and air conditioning company. In fact, the name of his company was Twin City Metal Company. It was, Twin City was Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And, um, and at the peak of Dad's um, business, he had a fleet of trucks. He had several trucks. Most of them, this was back in the 50s, way before most of you were born. But Dad had a bunch of uh, 53 and 54 model Chevrolet pickup trucks. And all those, anybody knows anything about 53 and 54 Chevrolet pickup trucks? They, they had old straight six-cylinder engines. They weren't very fast, but they, uh, but they were good. They were, they were durable. They'd, they'd do the job. It's all that Daddy needed, really. But when we would go home every afternoon, when we would, uh, the, the, he'd, the help was gone, and we'd go home, and I'd be riding with my dad. I'd, I'd go to work with him in the summertime when I was a little boy. And we'd go, we'd go home. And on, on the way home, one one intersection that we came to, we had to cross Sprague Street. And, and there was a stoplight there. Back in the 50s, they didn't have the turn lane signals. So, I mean, it was just red, yellow, and green. And and there was the, the lane here for you to go straight. Well, we, we went straight. We went across Sprague Street. But there was a left turn lane here, and and every afternoon there's a lot of traffic, and so it kind of back up there. And unless you were first in line, you might not even make it through the light because it, several. But there was a young guy, and he must he made that same route every afternoon. I don't know where he worked or where he was going to, but he always, and he was a smart aleck little young guy that that had him a kind of a sporty little Pontiac. Automobile, it was kind of fast, and and he'd get in that turn lane, and so when the light would turn green, whoever was in this lane to go straight, he would, boy, he'd just gun it and run right up there ahead of him. Well, my dad didn't appreciate that a little bit. He did that to my dad, time or two. Them old '53 and '54 G- Chevrolet trucks wouldn't, we, we he just couldn't hold him you got to whip around him and and so in 1955 Chevrolet built a limited number of the prototype of the El Camino. They built a 55 Chevrolet truck and they put a V8 engine in it. In fact, they put the power pack engine. You could you could that was one of the options. You could get the like, that was t- name of a power pack engine. And it was power pack, in fact. I mean, that was was the hottest thing that General Motors had at that time for, you know, just production. So my daddy got him one. And sure enough, the day came when he was first in line to go straight. And this dude was in line over here supposedly to turn left, but planning on cutting my daddy off. And um, I, Lord, have mercy. I was sitting way I was so thrilled. Good time of living. Boy, I said, boy, it's on. It's, it's, this, this is going to be good. This, this is going to be good. Boy, I was, I was eating this up. I, I couldn't have been more thrilled if I'd have been at a drag race. I'm telling you, sure enough, that light turned green and my dad shot out of there. And that guy gunned it with his Pontiac. Daddy was a nose ahead of him and that guy gave it everything he had and dad kept just pulling he could not catch my dad and he was so determined to pass my dad I don't know how fast we were going but we were flying when the car comes this way and that guy in that Pontiac had to slam on brakes and jerk back in behind my dad to keep from having a head on collision my daddy showed him <laughs> and uh that's what power'll do for you. That's what power'll do for you. That guy's came so close, I don't know how he made it. it. It was I don't think you could have put your hand between the two cars when he got back over. And it, it scared him so bad. We we saw him days after he never got in that left lane again. <laughs> he had the power. My my dad was kinda like that, you know. I I've told you before <laughs> when I was when I was about to fourth grade. Would, the teacher told us one day said I want to teach you the difference in the word teach and learn said you can you can teach somebody something I mean, you can't learn somebody something you have to learn on your own you can only teach you can't learn somebody something a few nights after that my dad had told me to do something and I didn't do it and so he told me he said son If you don't get with it, I'm going to learn you a lesson. And so my English lesson went off in my mind. And I said to my dad, you can't learn me anything. My dad learned me something that night. I'll guarantee you he learned me something that night. I don't care what the teacher says. I don't care what the English book said. I don't care what the dictionary said. My daddy could learn you something. He, he could do it. He learned that old boy to get in the right lane. But what I'm trying to tell you this morning, it's the, the power, the power. The reason some of you are living defeated is because you don't have any power. Or, or maybe you just don't know you got any power. That's why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit so that we can operate in power. We're not supposed to be defeated. We're supposed to be victorious. Some of you may have heard of Dr. Lester Summerall. He's gone to glory now. He's one of the most powerful men of faith that I've ever known anything about in my lifetime. He... um, not as well known in the south as he is other places I, I spent several years in indiana and and his headquarters was up in south bend indiana and he owns a, the the C network if you're familiar with any of the christian networks that that's dr lester summeralls and he had great work here but a fabulous work around the world he does a lot did a lot of missions work and his his namesake his sons and grandchildren are carrying on that ministry it's a great ministry but he first came to prominence through something that happened. He, he was a powerful man of faith. He just believed God. And if, if God impressed him to do anything, he'd just do it. And he was praying one day, and, he's, and this was early in his ministry before he was very well known. This was back in the late 40s. And the Lord spoke to him. He had heard about a woman that was in a, a, a prison hospital in the Philippines, and she had become notorious because the best of psychiatrists from all over the world had studied her case, and she was a wild woman. Nobody could tame her, nobody could control her, and it, it, she had gotten so bad that they literally had her in a like a cage, uh, it was a cell, but they, they wouldn't even open the door to feed her. They would just slide her food tray into her. And if you made her mad, she'd just go wild and like, a, like an animal. She would make animal sounds, and, and, and she would bounce around like an animal. And she was ferocious. Huge men had tried to take. She could whip two or three men. It was obviously demonic and um, one day Lester Summerall was praying and God spoke to him and said go to go to the Philippines and set that woman free and he went to the Philippines and it took him a while to get through all the red tape and the and all of the government stuff and they checked him out to see who he was and everything and And when he finally got the okay from the government to visit this woman, they tried to tell him at the prison, they said, please don't do that. The guard said, don't, don't do that. You're risking your life. If you go in there, that that woman's she's liable to rip you in shreds. She's whipped men much bigger than you are. You just, you just shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. The warden tried, everybody tried to talk him out of it. But he said, no, God sent me here. And, um. He finally got them to let him in her cell. And sure enough, she went into a mad rage that they had seen so many times. He just stood there as calm as he could be, pointed his finger and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whose I am and whom I serve, you hold your peace and come out of that woman (laughs) <laughs> she went into all kind of contortions and finally fell limp on the floor and then he touched her and prayed for her healing and she was perfectly normal when she got up from there she was known all over the Philippines during that time because news reporters reported they, they had reported her at her worst state and so they reported her now after her conversion and after her deliverance and they saw her. And it opened the door for, for the gospel in much of the Philippines. It's a mighty, mighty, mighty thing of God. I, I just I tell you that little incident. There are many, many more in his lifestyle. But I want to tell you, he was a man that operated in the power of the Spirit. And he, he said he was praying one day. And he said, while he was praying, not an audible voice, but in his spirit, he heard these words. Do you have dominion? And he immediately looked up and said, yes, Lord, I have dominion. And he said, the Lord said to him, then look like it. Your appearance must not be sad, depressed, or defeated. And then he asked him a second time. He said, do you have dominion? And again, Lester Summerall answered and said, Yes, Lord, I have dominion in your name. The Lord said, Then talk like it. Your speech reveals either dominion or defeat. And he said, The Lord asked him the third time, said, Do you have dominion? And he said, Yes, Lord, in your name I have dominion. He said, Then walk like it. Keep your shoulders high and walk with victory in every step. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, church, is collectively, if we ever, if, if we ever get a hold of this, the, the world won't be able to stop the church. Amen? In fact, Jesus told us, upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church ought to be able to walk in the jail in Augusta just like some are all walked in the jail in the Philippines. Amen? We we ought to be able to walk into any situation with victory in the name of Jesus. If if we if we ever get it, if we ever get it, if, if if oh praise the Lord, if you get it, and the person beside you gets it, and the person beside them gets it, and and we finally get it, if New Hope ever gets a hold of this message of the kingdom and the power that we have, if we if we ever. Glory to God. How many of you have been born again? You know that you've been born again. You're, you're saved. You, you know you've been born again. Now, I want to ask you like Paul, ask at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you been filled with the Spirit? If you haven't been, it's a gift from God. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to operate in power. If, if we ever get a hold of this, if we ever get a hold of this as a church, in fact, <laughs> between services this morning, Brother George Drake walked in, and, and we, we talked for just a minute or two. And he's talking about a sermon that he had just been listening to a few minutes earlier, and he said, he said, Preacher, if we ever get a hold of this, this thing, and I'm laughing in my spirit. I was, I was thinking, that's what I'm preaching this morning. Exactly. If we ever get a hold of it, if the church ever gets a hold of it, if New Hope ever gets a hold of this, look out, look out, look out, look out. We'll storm the gates of hell. Glory to God. Signs, wonders, and miracles will return to the church just like it did in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He changes not. What we have to do Is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Glory to God. Get filled with the power of the spirit. Glory to God. Quit letting somebody run you out of your lane. Bless God, get you a power pack engine. (laughs) Push the devil out of the way. (laughs) Folks, it's true. This, This stuff is real. It's real. I would not be standing before you this morning if this wasn't real. I don't have time to give my testimony. We're going to have an altar call right now in just a few minutes. In fact, go ahead and stand. You'll help me stop. I was on the front page of the Winston-Salem Journal Sentinel on August the 19th in 1953 had a picture of me in a little cowboy outfit I was 7 years old just had my 7th birthday that day they came out and took my picture and run an article said boy on 7th birthday hopes operation 7 is final a few days before that the doctors operated on me for 4 hours and 45 minutes and finally gave up because gangrene had gotten into my internal organs. They cut away three feet of my intestines. And finally, they just gave up and just sewed me up and started rolling me in ice, trying to break the fever. They came out and told my parents, that he can't possibly live. His fever's gone so high you wouldn't want him to live anyway because... He'd be a vegetable. There couldn't possibly be any brain activity after this high fever. Way on up past 106, 107, 108, 109. Said there's no way he'd just be a vegetable if he could live. But he told my parents, said, don't get your hopes up because he can't possibly live. But the church of God gathered with my mom and dad outside the recovery room while they were blathing me in ice, they bombarded heaven with the powerful name of Jesus. And at the point where I was supposed to die, I regained consciousness singing when God dipped his pen of love in my heart. Wrote my soul a message. Some of you remember that old song out of the old redback hymnal. I'd sing it a while and then go unconscious. I'd come back to and sing it some more and go unconscious. And finally, I regained consciousness and stayed awake, completely healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would not... I would not be standing here today if this weren't real. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, everything you need is right here in this guidebook that God has given us. And when Jesus washed your sins away and transported you over into the kingdom of light, he made you an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're part of his family. It all belongs to you, every bit of it. That's why Jesus said the works that I do can you do in greater works than these because I go to the Father. It's time for us to arise as his people. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. First of all, if you're unsaved, you need to come to the Lord and get out of that kingdom of darkness because that kingdom of darkness leads to death and hell. You need to get out of that. You need to come over here into the kingdom of light. You need to to change kingdoms this morning. If you're away from God, you need to come home. But some of you are battling all kind of stuff. Some of you are battling sickness and disease. I'm here to tell you. Hallelujah. Isaiah said, looking forward, said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. The Apostle Peter, writing many, many years later, looking back at it, said, by whose stripes we were healed. Glory to God. You were healed 2,000 years ago. The reason some people don't get their healing is because all they're doing is trying to go after God with hope. Hope is good. It's a wonderful thing. But faith is what brings hope into reality. If, if you, I, people tell me all the time, I hope I'm going to be better. I hope I'm going to get healed. I hope I'm going to get well. I, I'm just believing that God's. No, you're not. You're hoping that God will heal. Don't use the word belief. That's not faith. If you say, I'm believing God's going to heal me, that's future tense. Hope is future tense. Faith is now. Faith is now. As long as you say, I'm believing in the future, that's hope. That's good. But if you want to turn it into reality, you've got to get over here in faith. Now, faith is when you're able to lift your hands up to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'm declaring it and confess it with my mouth, I am healed. I am healed, I am healed, I am well, I am whole, I am a child of God. I am right now. Faith is now, now, now i 'm victorious this 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 problem that's been plaguing me, this habit that i haven't been able to break right today I do in Jesus' name, I believe that i 'm victorious over that god's going to God 'll set some people free in this place this morning if you'll get a hold of this if you 'll exercise some faith, you 'll be free. Lord, somebody give God some praise. Come on, let's take a praise break. Let's take a praise break. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want the prayer team to come quickly, if you will. Come on, prayer team. I'm going to leave it with you, whatever you need. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to just come and receive it this morning. You don't have to seek for it. It's a gift. How did you get saved? You received salvation. Romans 10, 19, if thou shalt believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth, that's what it is. You believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. With the heart man believes to righteousness and with confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a gift. You can't earn your salvation. Jesus already bought it for you. You can't earn the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you need to quit seeking for it. Why would you seek for a gift? It's already been given to you. Amen. Travis, come come up here. Uh, if, if 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 Travis needed a Bible, and I said I said right there, just stop right there. And I said, brother Travis, here's here's your Bible. You can have mine. What if you just fell down on your knees and started saying, oh please, brother Bowen, please give me that Bible. Could I please have that Bible? And I say, here it is, Travis. You can have it. But he falls back down on his knees and starts saying, oh please. You know all he has to do to have the Bible, to so receive it. Amen. Praise God! Thank you, Travis. That's all you got to do. If you need the power this morning, that's all you got to do is come and receive it. The power's here. We, we used to sing an old song, and I, I I didn't realize how how off base we were scripturally. We used to, some of you old timers remember this? Oh Lord, send the power just now. Any of y'all remember that? Oh Lord, send the power just now. Oh Lord, send the power just now. And baptize everyone. We're pleading, God, please send the power. Send the power just now. Send the power, Lord. Send the power. Send the power. You know how wasted energy that must have been? Uh, it makes me wonder sometimes if God in heaven doesn't call Gabriel over and say, Come here, Gabriel. What are them dummies doing? And Gabriel had to say, well, God, I guess they just play in church. You know, like kids play house. They just play in church. We've already got the power. Why would would you pray for God to send the power? He sent it 2,000 years ago. He's here. Holy Spirit's here right now. Some of you have already got the power to be victorious. You've already got it. You've already got it if i don't sit down i'm gonna preach all day the altars open whatever you need from god come on receive it will you do that will you do it come on if you're sick come get healed if you need a holy spirit come get filled if you need a refilling come get a recharge if you, if you got a habit that's been holding you back come on If your job's not providing enough for you, come on. God's the provider. Come on down here and declare his word. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19.